Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. This is Jason Witter, author, illustrator of Tiniest Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and you are listening to Aaron's Horror Show. listening to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We get to read fiction on the show and talk about some movies, books, you name it. If you like what I do here, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. You'll get some books and other cool stuff for your support. Go ahead and also reach out to me at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com, Aaron Horror Show on Twitter, or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We got MacUR Next Ascension for you today. So let me go ahead and pull this fun story up. While I am doing that, I do want to inform you that uh, I am re-releasing this uh, whole series. So I I reworked, you know, the series, uh, especially after reading it here on Aaron's Horror Show. I kind of realized there's some things I want to change. And, you know, I'm a better writer than I was before. So I think a lot of the the stuff I could just, I don't know, make it better. So I decided to do some reworking of all these stories I just read to you. And I'm going to release them in a series called Touristicu. Uh, in Volume 1, I got the cover art done already, and, and I did release it on my blog and my my mailing list, uh, you know, so people have seen the, the cover art. And, and yeah, they're going to get to see, uh, <laughs> you know, this story. And then what I'm going to do is uh, Part 9 is done. Uh, and I'm going to, you know, release basically parts one through five, uh, in a, uh, you know, uh, so Macchiar Next Ascension, Cal's Fall through Macchiar Next Ascension, uh, you know, in, in one volume, and then the next volume will be parts, uh, you know, uh, six through nine, uh, in the next volume, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's some fun stuff, and, and I'm going to wait to release Story 9 until Volumes 2 been out for a while, so to give people sort of incentive to buy the collected versions of the stories rather than sort of piecemeal them one at a time. Uh, not to mention, I'm, I'm you know, going to put all the rework into the collected version. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm putting all my effort into the rewrites. I'm not really going to change the original short stories. In fact, I might unpublish them one day. Not yet, but I might just leave them as collected works uh, rather than 
as individual short stories. We'll have to see how I feel about that. I just don't want to go through and re-upload nine different stories after having done all that, you know, work to rework them into a pretty cool uh, story uh, series. So, yeah, uh, if you're enjoying this, please, you know, these are the Touristic U, uh stories are available online, so please tell a friend. Uh, you know, tell an enemy, uh, tell anyone you want. Anyways, Makyarnik's Ascension, right now. Makyarnik hovered in a green, swirling life support field. His body was exposed, and as clothing wasn't an option in the medical pod, nanomachines coursed throughout his body. Fighting the infectious metal from the Terillion blade, they replaced the dead and dying cells as quickly as the disease killed the healthy ones. It was a war playing out in the tiniest parts of his body, and the Terillion poison was winning. The most advanced medical care in the universe, Makiarnik didn't have long, days at most. The worst part about his situation was not the inevitability of his death. He never really cared about death. Even being faced with it didn't scare him. What irked him more was that he didn't see it coming. Makiarnik had bought lots of prisoners to justice and had killed many more in the line of duty. Even though he had been working for the greater good of humanity, he was bound to make some enemies along the way. He prided himself on knowing who they were and when they would strike. He had never dropped his guard, even on Earth, despite the fact that he displayed his dedication for all humankind over and over again, there were still plenty of people on Earth that would rejoice if they heard of his death. His vigilance was not in question. It was that he made two mistakes. The first was that he had underestimated the Nigs, or more accurately, one Nig in particular. That one that would be his undoing didn't know the difference between body armor and skin when they first met. He had spared her the traitor's fate, not because she was too young and too stupid to know what she was doing, but mostly because he saw something special in her. He knew there was something special about her. Makiarnek had an eye for talent. He had captained the best IF enforcer ship in the galaxy, not because he was special, but because every member of his crew was handpicked for their ability. The whelp from the Negromodian village had the same talent, even if it was unrefined and untrained. A few years later, in prison, would have beaten the rebellious side out of her. It would have taught her the valuable life skills that she couldn't get anywhere else. When he met her again, in the first feeble attempt to cause him harm, he began to think of her as an informant at least, and at the most maybe a recruit one day. However, before prison had a chance to harden her like he would have liked, she staged a rebellion, which of course proved his ability to recognize talent. However, the little prison riot at Fenpak led him to his second and more vital of the two mistakes. He thought she had died when several sections of the station decompressed. He ceased to think of her when she thought she was no longer alive. Had he recognized her sooner, he might have anticipated the attack. Now there was nothing left but to replay the moment over and over as the poison turned his cells into corroded metal. He pictured her face as the blade narrowly missed his heart. She was empty inside. It was the look he'd seen many times before. It was the look he saw himself every time he stood in front of a mirror. Makyarnik! Makyarnik! The maid had called out across the great hall of the estate. 
Mac Yarnak attempted to contain his giggles as he hid in a shallow nook behind a tapestry that depicted seven planets. Each planet represented a different world, from ice to desert to verdant jungle. The hall was gigantic by Earth standards. Most families lived in a space about a tenth of the size of the Great Hall at Makyarnak's home. It was a space designed to dwarf the visitors so they know who held the true power. Makyarnak didn't care about such things at the age of eight, though. He had much more fun causing trouble with the staff. Much to his amusement, the maid passed the tapestry without a second glance, unaware that her charge was hidden a few feet away from her. After his wily escape from tutoring, most kids his age didn't have human servants, as household tasks were regulated to robots long ago. However, his father was a traditionalist. When he had bought the house and the surrounding 133 acres of untouched British countryside long before Makyarnak was born, it seemed a shame to let the way of life die out, especially because the blue outline of distant skyscrapers could be seen in every direction from the grounds. The grounds themselves were worth the cost of a small solar system, and that was only a fraction of the family's wealth. After Makyarnak was sure that the maid was gone, he decided to step out from his hiding place. Just as he was about to poke his head from the tapestry, footsteps clacked against the ancient flooring. Believing the maid was wise to his trickery, Makyarnak ducked back into the nook. He breathed a little easier when he heard that it was his father and one of his business associates. Knowing how angry his father would be about him skipping tutoring session, he decided to stay in the safety of the nook. You're sure about the Dacrand, his father, Rasmus, said. He had a sharp, quick voice that commanded authority. A deep voice replied, The Dacrand content of Nigroboto soil is confirmed. However, it is a neutral planet. We have also confirmed the Shusharian scientists on the planet. It's only a matter of time before they stumble across the Dacrand, too. There's something strange about the other's voice. It was almost inhuman. He heard plenty of humans in his day, as his father hosted many parties, and they were almost exclusively human. As much as Mekyarnik hated it, his father would always make sure he would sing for the guest, or something equally embarrassing. It wasn't like Mekyarnik had any special talent, he was genetically modified like everyone else his age. Anything a naturally birthed human could do, Mekyarnik could do better, because he was programmed that way. Makyarnik didn't see what the big deal was about showcasing his talents. His father owned the largest decorate mining company in the universe. He could afford to hire the best birthing scientists, too. They were so good that Makyarnik was born without a mother. The second half of his DNA was from a combination of various celebrities, leaders, that his father had collected in order to make the perfect offspring. Sometimes it was willing donations, Others, it was DNA swipers that his father installed for his lavish parties. The swipers were little nano-machines that collected stray hairs and skin cells from guests in his house. It was a security measure designed to catch known criminals the moment they entered the domicile. His father bent the rules and used it to collect DNA for his perfect offspring. Makyarnik was born in a perfectly controlled chamber that eliminated any complications that came with female hosts. It wasn't that his father didn't like females. He had plenty of them around while Makyarnik was growing up. It was that his father didn't have time for anyone for very long. That included Makyarnik. He usually only saw his father when he was paraded around at parties. Business was his father's one and only true love.
That's why it was odd that business was being conducted in such a casual manner. His father had an office for that. It was at the top floor of one of the tallest buildings in the world in the Middle East. On a clear day, Makyarnak could see the tip of the Burj Khalifa if he placed his head against the window and squinted at the city below. His father would always tell Makyarnak the view from his office was more for tactical advantage. It helped visitors know who ran the galaxy. I don't think the Shusharians will be a problem, Rasmus said. But if they negotiate a treaty with the native population, the deep voice protested, we all know how Shusharian negotiations go. They give up half their profits if it landed them a deal. The native population won't be a problem. But they are sentient species. They are protected against the Undiscovered World Act. Trust me when I say it won't be a problem, his father said in a tone of voice that Makyarnek too well. It was his, this is the end of the discussion tone. Makyarnek knew it and knew better than to push his father. The deep voice business partner didn't seem to have the same awareness of social cues and continued to persist. His ramblings were cut short when Makyarnek heard a discharge of an energy weapon and the sound of a body hitting the floor. Makyarnek jumped out from behind the tapestry, fearing the person with the deep voice had attacked his father. Not that there was much an eight-year-old could have done. If it was an assault on his dad, he would be dead too. What he saw before him was something he did not expect. His dad, an imposing man with beady black eyes and a cragged face, held a plasma pistol. It was a small design that could easily fit in the suit of a business person. The battery must have been good for only one shot because Makiarna could hear it charging as it gathered ions from the surrounding air. The alien lay spread out beneath his feet. It was a bulky brown creature with two eyes that were on either side, like the head of a horse. What was left of its suit was tattered over the hulking chest and was burned near through the other side. A large tongue hung out of its lifeless mouth. Mechyarnik recognized that it was a Krizilian, one of the earliest members of the UPE and one of the first non-human plans to join. They were peaceful and known for their advanced mathematics skills. A Krizilian could calculate math in their head that would put an AI to shame. They weren't known for their combat ability or aggressiveness, or at least no more than any other race. Makyarnik had never seen an alien in the flesh. His father only invited humans to his parties and seemed to only socialize with humans. If he had to do business with another species, it always happened to be in his office in the Middle East. Makyarnik had been sequestered from aliens his whole life. He only knew them for what he learned from the tutors, and his father didn't like him wasting too much time on cultural studies. He would always say, the only thing you need to know about aliens is how many numbers are in their bank account. When Makyarnik saw his father standing in the Great Hall, hovering over the corpse of the being, Makyarnik could see there was something in his eyes. It was something Makyarnik didn't notice before. It was a gleam. It was something he never saw, no matter how well he performed at parties, or what sporting event he won, or how good of grades he had received in school. It was love. Alright, so that is the first episode of Makyarnik's Ascension. So, yeah, <laughs> please come back uh, for the next episode, uh, two weeks from now. Uh, there'll be a, a movie review coming. Uh, I'm going to review Dune. Yeah, got I watched Dune. Uh, so, yeah, new movie for you. Cool. But, yeah, I will see you next week. And, yeah, if you're an alien, don't do business with humans. 
Uh, <laughs> most of them are jerks, right? <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Not all humans are jerks. Like, like you know, some humans are jerks, some humans are good. Just letting you know, that's how it is. So if you pick up, like, one dude, you know, and you're like, man, this guy's a jerk, it may, maybe not all humans are like that, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, gotta gotta meet some more of us. <laughs> and, anyways, uh, yeah, yeah, that's for the aliens that, of course, are listening. If you've, you've gotten this far, you know, <laughs> into my podcast, then, yeah, you, you probably know that. Uh, anyways, uh, have a good night, and I will see you all next time. <laughs>